Hello, welcome to a new episode of Julie Loves Television. Um, so, welcome back. This week was a, a bit different from my last week's episodes going to be because I've watched way less television, which I suppose is normal. Sometimes, some weeks you're like super on with what you're watching and some weeks you're just not interested in anything. So, and that was quite, sort of this type of week. I might have been a little bit burned out and as you could tell from last week, I watched way too much. But some like some things that I watched this week that I'm not gonna really go into depth on unless I like tangent on them for a long period of time. Um, still sort of wandering around those like rain type of shows. The CW show, if you're not familiar with it, those sort of Mary Queen of Scots retelling, very modernized. Love the clothing in that. I'm not sure if I talked about this last week, but doesn't matter. Um, I really, I suppose because of the new Bridgerton coming out, I was super interested in watching similar, like, period sort of romantic drama type of things, which you don't see a ton of, obviously, because they're super expensive and not a ton of them do romance in, like, that heavy way that, let's say, Bridgerton does mainly. Because, like, they're super prestige of their period dramas, obviously, because it costs a lot of money. I guess they don't they look down on that a lot of the times. Some, I don't know if a lot of times, but, like, besides the point. Um, still watching, a, like, scooting around, like, The White Queen. I like that one less so. I've seen very few episodes of that one. More, I've seen more of the, um... The White Princess, and I rewatched a lot of the first season of um, The Spanish Princess, which I really enjoy because it's very. You see a lot of the intrigue that's going on within the relationship that's like friend center, and it's so funny to like be rooting for something that's Henry VIII, which is so funny because you're like, you know, you should hate these two characters together in The Spanish Princess. And you, but you so want it to happen because of like the chemistry they're able to exude and, and how they just like set up the story, but just in the back of your head, knowing it's Henry VIII as like the main like love interest, you're like, this is not going to end well. Like I said, still didn't get really into the second season. Um, but I also, so I watched more of the white princess. I like that one because it's the sort of like the en- enemies to lovers sort of thing going on. Each story runs in from the last one, not obviously with the same actors, but it's like the White Queen leads into the White Princess, the White Princess leads into the Spanish Princess, but there's like big time gaps in between all of them. And it's just so interesting that, that that's the way they are sort of able to tell that story. And you kind of forget they're all related to each other. And that, um, it sort of, like, bleeds down into, like, you're sort of getting to the Bridgerton era and, um, Victoria and stuff like that. So, I just found that so interesting. Um, and also leading into sort of, like, the news that I was going to discuss for this week's episode, um... I had started watching, um, not, re- re- not fully re-watching, but, like, skipping around episodes of Flesh and Bone, another Stars series, because I got a descript- subscription to Stars in order to watch all those, like, White Queen, White Princess, Spanish Princess episodes, and I saw Flesh and Bone, it must have been right around when it came out in 2015, apparently, but I really enjoy, like, ballet, dance, like, movies tv shows stuff like that and you hardly ever see them do them not very frequently or not super well a lot of the times and this is most like prestige dance show i think i've ever seen and it's so gory and graphic and gross and i saw like a blurb about like um the uh reception of it there's like hardly there's no like great levity to the show and like you can definitely agree on that and like crazy relationships and um in- the intrigue that goes on and the weird 
goriness. I mean, you kind of get that from the title, Flesh and Bone. It's kind of what you get from it. And there's, like, um, really weird relationships between people and super dark relationships. And I don't fully remember the whole show, but, like, the bits and pieces I was scripting around to, like, watch were, like, super dark. Um, I kind of wish they did more, people did more, like, dance ballet stuff that was lighter and not so extremely dark because it's enjoyable to watch like it's probably people watch dance movies a ton because those step up movies were super popular just dance television shows and stuff like that never really took off like buttonheads or um i don't know many dance shows i know there's like dance academy on netflix i was obviously i don't think netflix original but i watched that australian it's, it's okay. Some of it's kind of obviously super teenage so opery acting. But it leads into the news stories I saw this week. Um, and I just remembered this one that I saw. Um, so, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is coming to the end on Amazon Prime. I really enjoyed the first season. I think I did not get through the entire second season. I think they're in season five. Is that right? literally cannot remember where I but I really enjoyed it and I wish I I don't can't remember why I stopped watching it because I think the story just got like too I don't know I can't remember what it was oh they're in season five so I definitely think it was season two I stopped watching oops I had the camera no camera mic but I saw what the end of that that they are making Amy Sherman Palladino the head writer creator is making a new TV show with her deal with Amazon Prime if you don't know she also created Gilmore Girls one of my favorite shows if you're listening wanting a pocket rewatch recommendation that is like kind of like all the crazy days which is but more of like one of the original like more organic feeling rewatch podcasts is Gilmore Guys if you really enjoy that show, or if you haven't watched it and want to do like a episode by episode watching and listening to it, I highly recommend Gilmore Guys. It feels like the most organic type of rewatch, and it's really good audio. I, it's really hard to find a rewatch podcast that has good audio, and they you're willing to like stick through the entire series with them. And like at a certain point, I did not rewatch episodes while they were watching them at like at all, and you can just understand that, and you understand what they're talking about and you could totally enjoy what they were talking about throughout the entire thing but what was that article that i saw i forgot to like note it down and i, I think maybe i saved it let's see I, mm, no we did not interesting um belly tv show Mrs. Maisel Duo Land's series order, two-season order, ooh, that's really fun, for ballet series at Amazon, starring Luke Kirby, Camille Cotton, Simon Callow, I don't know who the last two are, but Luke Kirby was in, um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, really enjoyed him in that, he was really good. So this article from Variety, um, says, Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino have scored a two-season order for a series set in the world of ballet at Amazon, titled Ethel, I think. I'm not good. I'm a French. It's terrible. The series will take place in both New York and Paris. Love that. Um, each season will consist of eight episodes. The official logline states that the show will follow the dancers and artistic staff of two world-renowned ballet companies as they embark on ambitious ambitious gambit to save their storied institutions by swapping their most talented stars which just sounds so interesting and i love ballet and dance shows and they have they obviously created bunheads when they were when they did a show on the it was able to be at the time not freeform yet but because bunheads has sutton foster who later went on to um star in younger which i really enjoyed most of it i don't think i ever watched the last season but she's so good and the dancing in bunheads is so cute and sort of has like that gilmore gilmore vibe 
and it's so cool that's like me at prime prime usually sometimes you they don't they seem to care less for like super critically acclaimed stuff a lot of the time because they make stuff like um terminalist with um chris pratt and reacher which has been more of like a critical acclaimed thing recently but i feel like they make a lot of like i guess what you would call dad tv which is just totally fine i love watching that sort of stuff one of the things i'll be talking about today but oh wow it says it's the first multi-season order in for a new series in amazon prime's history that seems so weird oh no 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 sorry that was talking about Maisel that was the first to get a multi-season order I thought I've heard that all the time with Amazon oh yeah 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 it's talking about bunheads in this article too but I loved it it was so good and I'm so excited for dance stuff because a lot of the like flesh and bone I wish it was so much more of my vibe but it was so dark that it was hard to enjoy a lot of the dancing a lot of times in flesh and bone and the um no levity and i really wanted to enjoy it because a lot of the actors in it you'd recognize from dance movies and especially like center stage oh my god love center stage as a dance movie it makes you it like brings out a whole new level of like love for ballet and dance and um that type of um genre and it's like dark and has dark themes and topics but it still has like a certain amount of levity and like the dance scenes are amazing but so I would definitely recommend that too but besides the point we can move on from that kind of got off on a tangent um obviously there's side note there is obviously the writer's work going on I don't delve much deep into that I'm obviously not know, don't know much about like the inner workings of the Hollywood world and I don't know if general general people have really much interest in it besides whether or not it affect TV shows or no really deep know of, know of what's going on in that but anyways moving on next thing topic news story more it's end with us news um there's a lot of hubbub recently over, like, the first initial casting for It Ends With Us, the adaptation of the Colleen Hoover book. I really enjoyed the book. It was one of the easiest reads I've had in a very long time now, just people have criticism of it. But it's kind of hard to, like, hate on something that people really enjoy, and it's, like, it's a person's journey with issues like domestic violence so it's like not everybody's journey is the same so I don't know how people can really judge of what's going on with it and how people deal with it and there's stories like this all the time like if you want to point at something you got to point at like lifetime movies and stuff like that that probably do way more harm and it's a and I don't know if it's necessarily I, I, I guess I'm not really into like what kind of responses to the book and whether or not the domestic abuse is actually romanticized, like the person who is the domestic abuser. I don't really see it from that perspective, which is so interesting, but I don't know. Anyways, so there's a hubbub recently about casting up Blake Lively and Justin Baldoni. If you don't know, Justin Baldoni is also, I believe, directing and producing it, which is so crazy because for such a hugely popular book it was so surprising that it was such a interesting casting and that like he's he's directed another romance like movie before had Cole Sprouse I believe and Haley Lou Richardson I think is her name who was in the new season of White Lotus I forget what, like five feet apart he uh, directed that. I never saw that. I'm kind of hard to watch sad stuff like that sometimes for me. But he cast himself as a main, and one of the main characters in it. And also Blake Lively was cast in it. And in this ad- adaptation, which is really interesting 
because they are so much older than the characters in the book which I don't know how to feel about that I didn't really feel a certain way and I understand people thought they were like not the right age for this sort of thing and I mean I sort of get it it's so much further removed from when you're a teenager and I guess in a way because like in the book there's like teenage Lily and Atlas and in the book there's like more present day which is like mid to late 20s because the Justin Baldoni character is a doctor a surgeon so he has to be in his later 20s at least early 30s and it's just it's it's very interesting to cast people who are very like very 40s ish which is I don't I don't know how to, how to think of it obviously I don't obviously the maybe it's supposed to be hopefully it's good I don't know but and but and then there was a casting of the guy from 1923 which is sort of coming to when you watch the the spinoffs I w- was talking about last week um of Yellowstone totally forgot to mention the tv show and because he's in 1923 the person who was cast as Atlas was cast, was in 1923. Still haven't gotten past the first two episodes of 1983 yet, but he should be interesting. He's a, people will like that more. It seems like, but the latest casting news with the movie is that Jenny Slate is in it, which is the most random as the sister of Justin Baldoni's character. Which I'm like, they're not even, they're very different people, so are they gonna weave into a narrative that they're not fully related? And I don't remember if that's part of the story, that they're not fully related. Because Jenny Slate's very different looking than Justin Baldoni. And they have very different vibes, too. I'm like, that's so interesting. And like, being being a best friend and very supportive character to Blake Lively's character, Jenny Slate's character, who she's playing, is very interesting too because is she going to be like a comic relief of the movie? Because she's known for more comedic acting and I think she has more serious roles, but once again, so strange. I'm really interested in this perplexing casting. And then another new story. Apparently, um, who, what's his name? Ryan Murphy's, um, series that started with, Netflix series that started with the Jeffrey Dahmer miniseries that started, started Evan Peters is part of, like, an anthology series that, like, every single other show he's made recently is an anthology series. Like, I think after Glee, I think every single show he's done has been anthology and apparently it's a part of like a monster series with um, the anthologies about different serial killers apparently. So there was a first season which was about Jeffrey Dahmer. Did not watch it. Normally I'm interested in watching those true, true crime type of things but it's a real hump to get over to get something that's watching to get watching something that involves cannibalism that is just so beyond gross that it's kind of hard to even want to get into and being sort of like interested in true crime you know what it's about and I'm also from Wisconsin if you couldn't tell by the accent um and he obviously Jeffrey Dahmer is out of Milwaukee and so much cannibalism in Wisconsin serial killers because there's also Ed Gein if you want to look at that that's truly gross too um but it's just interesting that the next season of this series, anthology series, is going to be focusing on the Menendez brothers, which I think is very good for, like, that, that sort of case is good for, like, glitz and glamour of TV, but it's very different from the prior season. Um, it, but it's just mostly interesting that there has been quite a bit about the case out in the recent years. Which is not the same with Jeffrey Dahmer. You don't see a ton of stuff. I mean, sort of. You do a little bit. Quite a few years ago, I know there was that series, that movie, that starred Ross Lynch as young Jeffrey Dahmer. 
but not a ton other than that. Um, but with Menendez Brothers, there's been a ton of, like, actual, like, fictionalized tellings of it. And, like, mostly, it came, sort of, a lot of it started coming out right after the other Ryan Murphy-produced series about true crime, like the O.J. Simpson trial um, series. Um, like, NBC tried to cash in on the success of doing an anthology series about true crime using Menendez as a starting point. But I don't think it ever really worked out for NBC because I don't know if they really ever followed up on another case using that same anthology formula. I don't even know if I made it through the whole season of that. Um, <clears throat> there's also been, like, so many documentaries made recently about it. And uh, at least two or three, and some of them have even involved at least one of the brothers. But it's like, are there no other interesting cases? I mean, given that, like I said before, there is facets to the story about considering wealth and, and the sort of family that dynamic that was going on. And all the facts that the brothers tried to bring into the trial that would make it really interesting to watch on television, sort of like in the way that oj simpson one was and um um what was that other one versace one that was the second season because there's like the glitz and glam of fashion and not fashion of wealth and i guess fashion and um ivy league schools and music industry and sort of a mix with like immigration and stuff in it because the um I think Menendez's father immigrated from Cuba, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong about that. But I see why it would be really attractive for television. But so random after Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I probably won't watch it. Who knows, though? Because with, like, they already made one with NBC, and it was sort of fine, I suppose. I don't remember anything about it. But... Keep an eye out on that, I suppose. Um, and then new latest news about the summer I turn pretty next season. It's coming out in July. I think mid-July with episodes weekly. Now, I don't think the last season the episode came out weekly. I could totally be wrong. But I don't know if that's a great format for a show that's so not common on their platform like genre wise i don't know many teenage oriented stuff that's on amazon prime that's super popular i can't think of anything on the top of my head that is um let's see um and i think anything and I assume I would have seen it. I mean, there was The Wilds, but it was also, like, more of a dramatic show. And, I don't, I don't know. I'm hesitantly looking forward to the second season because I really enjoyed the first. And after reading the book that they're based off of, I can definitively say that the first season is way better than the book. And... I, I'm it's so going to be so interesting where they go with the story in the second season because they put it as the mother's going to go through treatment and I'm afraid she's still going to, spoiler alert, die very early on, which could be sort of a catalyst for what's going on in this story. And the rift between characters and stuff like that. But the show is such a vibe and you love, like, the mood they create with music and even those popular movies you can people tend not to like that especially on tv shows but i think it so works with this show you know that um and the motif face it's a motif they keep doing with like the taylor swift music throughout and with like the new taylor swift album coming out in july too i'm like this is such great timing <laughs> with new taylor swift like her re-recordings of her old versions coming out in July that she announced just the other day um, at her concert. Which, so I'm excited about that. I really like the first season. You can put that on and like soar through it. It has darker themed topics, but it's also super light and airy and like you want to be at the beach when watching it. 
and I really love what they did with this show is they renewed it so quickly after the last season and they started shooting almost immediately and which I think is such a good thing to do with this sort of stuff because people get in and out of shows so quickly that it's hard to like stick into stuff and having hugely long waits with how streaming works and how much gap is between seasons it's it kind of it gets old after a while especially with like these easy to watch summary flowy shows it feels like they just don't get the recognition or like constant uh, a good turnout in the same way even though they're obviously very popular they stay in like the top 10 of like the different charts for a while and even i just wish more networks and streaming services would make more shows like this even though i do like the crime dad tv sort of stuff i just but because like if you want to watch something similar there's very few like things that you know about there's virgin river on netflix which i really enjoy which I have no idea how long that show takes place over because someone who's pregnant in the first season apparently is still pregnant in like the fourth. Crazy. And, um, what's the other show? Sweet Magnolias, also on Netflix. Really enjoy that show. It's really wholesome and sweet and not super like gritty and dark and having to go through these huge dramatic moments all the time, even though they do more like family family drama and stuff like that that's not like super earth shattering all the time but i really enjoy it and i wish i like it said wish that more people do stuff like that anyways getting off of news and all my tangents um so i just wanted to talk about some stuff that i realized i missed in talking points from last week from some of the stuff i watched um, not so much any of the TV shows, not TV shows, movies I was talking about, more about, like, school spirits. I realized if you don't give enough away or, like, talk about things, like, spoilers-wise in a show, it's kind of hard to, like, really start a discussion and be super interested in what people are saying on podcasts. Like, I hate that about TV shows. And this way, I think... What I'll be doing forward is going summary overview, telling you to watch something, and then coming back talking about interesting talking points. I think about the show with school spirits, and I completely I realized after I recorded, I completely forgot to mention the whole reason I decided to watch the show in the first place. Now, there's a romance part of the plot, but it's so Maddie, the main character, who's dead in the story. As ghosts drifting between worlds, sort of, sort of develops a romance with one of the other ghosts, played by Milo Mannheim. I don't know who that guy is really. I know he was on Dancing with the Stars for one season a while ago, and I see him popping up on a bunch of like, he's on a Disney Plus show or something, and like a Disney Channel movie or something. He was in zombies or something zombies trilogy that was on Disney Channel or something. I saw it because I've seen him so much before and you don't really recognize any of the other ghost characters that he would be a much bigger part of the story. But he's not really, which is so interesting. He's a super super side character. And I thought I'd be more interested in the romance in the show, but it's just like not developed well and comes out of nowhere. 
And in the poster, he is one of the three actors on the poster for the show. Which I made it seem like he'd be more a bigger part, a more interesting part, but he just really wasn't. It really felt like an afterthought in this story and kind of felt like just put in there as like a draw to the show as a part of a love triangle or something. I don't know. It just didn't fit that well, but more towards like actual plot of the story. So as you go through this um, episodes of the season, there's all sorts of suspicions on a bunch of different characters and who possibly killed Maddie. And so it's like, it goes from her ex-boyfriend who was cheating on her to the person that he was cheating with, which is, I'm so interested in to figure out how that, though that relationship started, um, to one of her best friends, I think, to a janitor, to one of the teachers at the school, and there's so much weird criminal activity going on. And besides all the dead people that apparently have died at the, on principal property, and the mother was her Maddie's mother was a suspicious suspicious person at one point, but you get near the end and you find out that it's like a it has to do more with the ghosts of the show, and so the teacher who's leading this school support group for the ghosts that have died there for some unknown purpose and apparently later on you learn that he's doing some sort of experiment and he died in the late 50s I want to say in the school in an explosion that he apparently caused and is lying to everybody else saying a student caused it and apparently the one ghost that has crossed over in quotes was the person the student in that explosion that that also died and you find out near the show people some of the ghosts have come upon and discovered his like notes of experimenting and who knows what he was trying to do and you come to figure out that they were in the like the basement where around where maddie had supposedly died and you can't find her body and apparently some sort of experimental thing had happened and the ghost they keep talking about Janet that had crossed over actually like went into Maddie and she's able to see them as ghosts and hear them. I don't know if it's something to do with her being so close to death or something like that went into Maddie's body, Janet, the ghost that supposedly crossed over, went into Maddie's body, her soul, spirit, I guess, exited her body. And that's why nobody can find her body. Because she's not actually dead. It's just someone took over her body. Which I'm like, what I was saying earlier, that super makes me want another season to watch. Because that's such an interesting premise for a show. And where could it possibly go? But in the next season and... I can't, I can't imagine where you're going from there because it do, did a really good job of making like so suspenseful over the season that at this point you're like, how could this be resolved in any good way? And where could it go in the future and stuff like that? I'm like, this is going to be so interesting if I renew it and what's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, so then we can... So if you're interested in the show, definitely watch it super interesting ending um if you want to talk about it i'll figure that out later i have i set up socials but i'm not really interested in um sharing those out yet quite yet because i <laughs> it takes a lot to like do lot beyond the podcast and stuff and if i don't think anybody's listening to this anyways um so what i what i watched more this week Obviously, I saw I didn't watch a ton besides, like, re-watching those, um, I don't know what you would describe them, the white Spanish princess queen stuff, and Flesh and Bone. Once again, did not watch a full, re-watch a full episode for Flesh and Bone, so I can't talk anything about it. Um, I just re-watched 
what happened at the end it's so interesting um anyways i want <laughs> kind of avoiding talking about this because i don't know how to like even approach this is watching the new season of the not new season the queen charlotte spinoff of bridgerton like prequel sort of show and they like jump back from when um queen charlotte met and, mar- met and married king george king george the third i always forget that that's the person who was the king when um american revolution happened um and when they met how they fell in love and like give you insight on why queen charlotte's like what she is like in the present day of bridgerton times and it like it that it flashes forward to the current times and gives you more insight on queen charlotte's life and some of the yeah, like mother characters in the show i suppose like um lady danbury and violet bridgerton i must say i did not enjoy it as much as i thought i would and it's hard to say that and don't necessarily think I can describe why in full detail right now because I can't formulate my opinions really. Like I see a lot of people liking it and I do like it. I just don't think it spent enough time on the relationship between Queen Charlotte and George in a way that made you truly fall in love with the relationship as deeply as you did with the other Bridgerton relationships you've watched over the other seasons. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, and you definitely fall in love with it, you definitely cry, like I thought you would, definitely one of those things that got me, I, um, like I said last week, not a ton of things get me, but this is definitely one of them, um, so in the first episode, you discover upon, no, you, that's such a weird phrasing, you start off upon, um, Queen Charlotte, Charlotte, um, moving from, like, the marriage contract between, um, Charlotte and George being struck, and, um, her moving to the journey to England and how much she really doesn't want to be there or marry him, and, um, she tries to run away from the wedding, which is one of the like le- the scenes they put out, and how George was really able to like charm her and disdain, and she really thought this would be a better situation, despite her initial hesitations. And then they get married in the first episode, and which I definitely think they have a lot of chemistry, and it makes it definitely makes a lot of sense. Which and I thought it would be more of an impetus to impetus to like get them into exploring that relationship but I mean it sort of did but it was kind of hard with what happens later but they get married and then near the end of the episode she George brings her to Kensington not Kensington Buckingham House where she's to live and all of a sudden she, he just brings it on her that she's gonna live there on her own while he goes lives at um q palace i think it's they call it that is so many times that i forgot and it like super it like blindsides charlotte because she thinks they've had like a good introduction to their relationship and they're so he's so surprised that they're just gonna be leaving apart and he suddenly turns to like sort of angry and it's like I guess super like very different from how she first met him and that sort of like drives the story forward into the second episode that's um where Queen where Charlotte's like spending her entire honeymoon at Buckingham House alone doing nothing and she can't really do anything with anybody else either because everybody's supposed to believe that she and George are together the entire time and he's just off not communicating with her or being with her at all. Just so 
which you, you do get very frustrated with and it's so interesting that they and I wish I did it sort of different where there was there's more interactions of like how they don't interact with each other at all and her frustration with that rather than just being completely um separated the entire time with no like uh, like being completely one-sided and trying not to reach out to him and it stuff like that and near the end of the episode Charlotte gets so frustrated that he, she just shows up and he's in an astronomy um I, he's doing astronomy while while they're apart and he uses that an excuse as to why he was away from her because she was he was trying to do this the entire time of a honeymoon because apparently this is he was the transit of Venus and being able to see Venus the planet was happening during this time period and he's just super um away from the public and doesn't love science and stuff like that and they you think it's sort of like a move forward in their relationship and them being actually together because you think this is a real reason that they're they're apart and they start to like move forward in their relationship then it's like a step backwards because Charlotte then overhears a conversation between George and his mother about he's hiding stuff from her which you're so heartbroken by because you think he's so open and interested in a relationship and you're like he's completely faking how he feels about her and charming her and not he and it sort of betrays what Charlotte knows about him which leads into the next episode where the like feuding is sort of like amped up and George is now living at um Buckingham House randomly and they are having like a love-hate relationship where they're talking like they hate each other and they're doing everything else like they love each other and can't get enough of each other and and then slowly near the end of the episode you start seeing why George was trying to keep away from Charlotte and that he was hiding um his mental illness from her and then it leads into the next episode where you get a flashback of what's happening the entire time do you think he's just being cruel and distancing himself from her for seemingly no reason and for some reason still trying to charm her is that he has a mental illness that he's afraid he'll hurt anybody so he tries to stay away from everybody and try and like that's why he's out not out in public ever either because he's so afraid of this the mental illness and he's trying to work with a doctor to like get it under control and thinking if he does this he could eventually go back to her and to charlotte and there's so much back and forth and him trying to stave off falling in love with Charlotte as much with all the trying to get his mental illness under control and eventually gets to the point where that's why he's going back to cousin I don't know why I keep wanting to say Kensington Palace Buckingham House and spends more time with her and like actually moves back when Charlotte becomes very angry with him at the same time is why he's like he moves back because he thinks he's better thinking he'll be able to actually flourish more in a relationship without worrying so much about hurting her but it en- ends up going wrong in that Charlotte now hates him because of the anger and separation he forces in the relationship and eventually she they find uh George finds out Charlotte's pregnant and it sort of triggers another crisis and that's where the that's when Charlotte actually figures out there's a mental health crisis and it's just so sad beyond that and it's just it's so hard to watch but you like you see very little scenes of them falling in love and understanding that whole relationship that it's hard to really love them maybe you do love them in a lot of the scenes and it's just a lot of back and forth that 
it's it's you don't really feel as much i don't know as you do in like the other Bridgerton seasons in the relationships i don't know if it's because of the shortened season order like i think regular Bridgerton um seasons are eight episodes this one was six episodes and it was a ton split with present day and all the other characters it just felt like you were not getting enough of their relationship charlotte's and george's relationship understanding why they loved each other and actually feeling for their relationship even though you do cry in the end because it's super sad because you you do see the love that's there it's just it could have been more and you definitely felt more that this was written more by shonda rhimes than um, the other um uh bridgerton seasons um because you can sort of, at the beginning, you could sort of feel that the more Shonda Rhimes type of show that other ones have, to, other ones were, the, the Grey's Anatomy and the um, um, Scandal and stuff like that. But it, it was pretty good overall. Um, It's interesting that it didn't explain the the fashion thing because Queen Charlotte's fashion in the present day is super like French style, doesn't super ornate and doesn't fit with the like Regency style of all the other women in the show. And the big headpieces and the um, corseted gowns in the same way are so different from everybody, what everybody else is wearing. And you start to learn like, oh, it's because like I read this online, not fully my thing. She's stuck in the past during the like Bridgerton timeline and when she was younger she got a ton of fashion coming over from France and it was more the type of style that was being worn in England like I said I didn't like the fashion as much in this one I don't know if it's because it's more regent royal dress and like the colored suits and the guys hated them um and it's just some of it felt baggy I didn't like that but I guess it makes more sense with like what they're going for with the show and the fashion and what they're trying to tell in the present day of her story. I must say, the one thing, they first try to show this through her wedding dress. The um, queen's mother, the queen's mother, the king's mother wanted her to wear an English style wedding dress instead of the French one she had brought over. And funny. The mother in this one, of the king, very domineering, very controlling, and stuff like that. The actress played the same, a similar version of a character in one of the uh, stars series I was talking about earlier. I forget which one. I think it was the White Princess. She played essentially the same person in that show. More evil, I suppose, because more involved. And there's like war going on and stuff that one but so interesting side note and and charlotte went back to the wedding dresses charlotte wanted to wear the french one she brought over from france on the way from germany where she was from and honestly i expected way more of a to-do when she changed gowns it felt like kind of a disappointment her french wedding dress i thought it'd be more ornate more interesting and more like eye-poppingly beautiful and it was just like barely better um, way more. And one thing, I did not recognize any of the covers, instrumental covers they did. I recognized maybe two songs. I recognized Halo and nothing else. And I don't know if I just didn't know any of the music as well. I feel like I could recognize a ton of the music in the first two seasons of Bridgerton. And I just could not recognize almost any of the songs. It just felt very generic. Like, instrumental stuff so I didn't maybe I just don't know the music as well I can knew Halo because I've listened to that more um and I don't think I recognize any of the other songs maybe I have to listen to the album to like see that more and the music plays so much into these relationships that I feel like the the music just didn't do its service again I don't know if I don't know the music well enough like, were covers really worth it if I couldn't even recognize them? And I listen to a ton of pop music. 
generally anyways and like like one of the prior seasons they did a madonna cover i don't listen to a ton of madonna and i could still recognize the the tune that was going on and i knew it was famous i just couldn't remember where it was from and it just it did not seem and like apparently there was like a second there was two versions and I don't know. I was reading Alicia Keys did a cover, and I don't even know if I knew this song originally anyways. I probably would if I listened to it by Alicia Keys. Apparently she did, she sang a version. I don't know if this song version went in there, because I don't remember any words. Maybe it was just a cover for the thing. The show. Like, Halo. Like, I'm looking at the list. Halo. I recognize that one for sure. If I ain't got you, I don't think I would. I recognize that one. Deja Vu by Beyonce. If that sounds familiar, but I don't remember it. Run the World. I don't remember that one either. More, uh, nobody Gets Me. I Will Always Love You. I don't remember hearing that one, I don't think. Mm. Anyways. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just I'm wrong about how I feel about it. But it was good. Not the best. I love the second season of Bridgerton like so much that it it's probably hard to top. And it makes me kind of hesitant to how how I'm gonna feel about this upcoming season with um Penelope and Colin being the main story of the show Penelope comes off of sort of I don't know if I'm reading her wrong comes off as sort of an evilish character in the final episode of the second season and I'm like how are they gonna get her to a point where you really love her again I don't know if you necessarily didn't love her I don't know I'm, I'm just so scared what they're gonna do on that season I hope it's so good because the first two really good and I enjoyed Queen Charlotte, I watched it in one sitting. And it was super, it was really good still, too. So, I'm just, I'm always hesitant. You can tell with everything I say I'm looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, there was that. So, I'm looking forward to, I want interest in that will come out. Because I know, I was trying to look into the timeline, like, how far after they finish filming something, does something normally come out? And I think it's, like, five or six months between when they finish filming and when the next season comes out with the writer's strike. I don't know how that's going to affect it, but I think it's supposed to come out, I would assume, come out in the fall or winter, maybe. But that would be so far away. It would be like two years apart. I don't know if it would be, really be like that on the same timeline or if it would come out the next year because they would think you'd get the fill with this Queen Charlotte version. Who knows? Um, so that was the main thing I watched this weekend, watching way too much YouTube, um, podcasts, stuff like that. Oh, I did start randomly. I opened my Netflix yesterday and I saw like on my Netflix homepage was Rough Diamonds, um, which seems sort of on my alley. I'll see how it goes. I watched the first episode. I actually really enjoyed it. It's a Belgian show about an Orthodox family, Orthodox, sorry, not Orthodox Jewish family that is involved in a diamond or diamond traders, and the oldest son and not the oldest son, the family who's the son who's in charge of the diamond trading commits suicide because of debts they're involved in and the oldest son returns who has left this orthodox community orthodox jewish community and is starting to trying to help resolve all the issues that they've discovered um that um the son who killed himself left behind like he sold like 1.5 million in diamonds in cash didn't pay for them but 
was super in debt with bookies for gambling and the oldest son left the left the family business and the family moved to England had a son but apparently this mother of the son raised for a while and then he took over raising him I don't know how that's gonna play into like the story because it hasn't really super come up a ton it's sort of like an aside sort of thing that you could sort of expect maybe more on later um the guy the lead guy so much looks like the guy from Felicity Scott Speedman kind of looks like that but like an older not older could say similar age but so so very much looks like that very different looking from all the orthodox orthodox Jewish family members of his and it's just so funny he keeps getting phone calls about missing a meeting and some sort of boss is going to be super upset and he's a super rough guy and is like taking control of trying to take control of the um, situation with the brother and the bookies he's involved in and trying to scare them off of trying to because they beat up a family member and he's trying to deal with that and get back at them a little bit and trying to get them off their back sort of not through like the most legal means but of course bookies aren't exactly known to do legal things either and he keeps getting all these phone calls and near the end you figure out you find out that the woman boss is actually the grandmother of the main guy what is his name noah's son so it must have been the mother of the girl the girlfriend he had a son with i don't know and really they're involved in the drug business which came as like the latest thing in the episode in the first episode i'm like this is so interesting where could this so much seediness and under underground sort of stuff going on and trying to deal with like the differences in leaving a family that was was very different from you in like the orthodox jewish way and trying to like remove himself from that family and also coming back into the fold to help solve a problem and i think it's really well done i don't think there's many episodes i think there's like six maybe or eight i think but I think I really like I, I think it's really interesting and good and randomly speaks so much English in the show there's like this arbitration scene in the second episode that they're trying to go through because they never pay the dealer of the diamonds that is part of the problem for the son who died and they're going to arbitration because they haven't paid and they speak English in arbitration, and I can't fully tell why. It's probably like a cultural thing, like the bridges, like the TV show The Bridge. You, t- they have like a it's like a cultural difference and like a language difference that you don't understand in that show. I guess if you're not for me, I didn't when I watched it. Different from the U.S. version of it, where there's like Mexico, U.S., and there's you know one at least one of the languages you know one is different. Be- because I think in this arbitration. Half of them speak French, and the other half are speaking Flemish, and that's why they're speaking English. I f- don't completely understand why. Maybe like the business they do, because apparently Antwerp is the diamond capital of the world, and like there's a sort of crime subplot where apparently it's like the cocaine capital of the world currently, and the version of the show. I'm not really sure in real life. But it's so interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen much stuff come from Belgium in terms of stuff to watch. I know I saw Scum. Um, it's a Norwegian TV show that Teenager focused. They released um show in like 10 minute bits for like all the versions. It came out of Norway and moved into like a bunch of like European countries. There was an American version on Facebook Watch. They drop 10 minute bits throughout the week like in real time there's a flemish version that's the only thing i've seen in set in belgium um i believe but it looks interesting i'm really interested in it and apparently there's some sort of romantic undertone subplot with the brother who died's wife apparently they were involved somehow before the the oldest brother noah left and went to england and the guy and the guy who keeps calling him from his job back in England had like an 
English accent that I'm like 70% sure is not a real accent of the person who's speaking. Although, I don't know English. Like, the... Sorry. I have the mic again. (laughs) The different accents in England, but it sounds kind of fake. I don't know if they're trying to overdo it because they're doing a show where they're speaking English in a predominantly Flemish spoken show. I don't think they're speaking Yiddish. Cause you kind of hear some German words because I think if there's a, like a mix of like Dutch is sort of similar to German and I think that's similar to Flemish and I'm not sure what that with French complicated thing but it's interesting I'm super interested to see where the show goes and it's sort of like not something I normally watch I was sort of, I was thinking about watching Citadel the Priyanka Sh- Chopra Jonas Richard Madden, Madden thing but randomly Stanley Tucci that's on Amazon Prime I don't know, I keep avoiding going to watch that. But I would recommend watching Rough Diamond. So so far it's really interesting. And the yeah, the plot's interesting and really interesting where the show goes. And sort of a world I don't you don't see a ton on television, like Orthodox families you don't see a ton. You see a couple like over the past couple of years with Netflix that orthodox TV show, I think, is one well, of the TV show. It was like a miniseries. And there's that... There was a, there's, I saw a Jewish matchmaking, matchmaking thing. And... Wasn't there a reality show with, like, Heart or something in New York City or something? Beside the point. It, it just kind of reminded me of um, Loving Leah, a Hallmark tv movie that i really enjoyed i'm like and i saw that there's sort of a romance with the brother's wife romantic interest with that i was like oh this could be interesting and super complicated and super interesting to watch even if there was not that the show is interesting enough that i think i'll continue on if there's nothing but there's a ton of tension between those two characters if you know me if there's romance in a show and an interesting plot i'm interested in watching it so um, what am I looking forward to next week? I'm going to watch more of Rep, Rep Diamonds. Seems super interesting so far. Um, intriguing plot. I've been to Belgian airport. <laughs> um, Leo over there got stuck there for a very long time during COVID times. It was like less than a day on the way to Italy. Um, I'm so glad all that stuff is over. I'm now, um... With, like, travel restrictions and stuff, mostly. Um, so top ten on Netflix in the U.S. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. Recommend watching that. Really, I really enjoyed it. Not the, not my favorite Bridgerton season, but it serves a point and a plot. Firefly Lane is second. I saw someone on Instagram talking about how much they really enjoyed it. And it's so short that I might, might actually actually end up watching it because it's like in top 10 over a lot of super popular stuff so I'm like it's gotta be interesting and I'm wondering I'm just not into it for no particular reason but it seems kind of up my alley but it's seems very dramatic um there's sweet tooth I don't have any interest in that the diplomat still in number four still not been bringing me to watch that the night agent still in number five which i'm so surprised it's still in top 10 i've been in there for a very long time and it is really good i would recommend watching it better call saul still not interested in watching that jewish match matchmaking see the thing i talked about earlier beef still not interested in moving on with that working moms i thought this show was either like european or australian or something but then they change like the placard to someone who's in Ginny and Georgia I'm like is this a Canadian show apparently oh my god Bridgerton is in top 10 makes sense I would go back and watch Bridgerton too I think I got I actually forgot I rewatched like five episodes of the first season I got I really enjoyed the second um, in movies, A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks, no interest in that, Pitch Perfect, love Pitch Perfect, the first one especially, uh, The Croods, don't really watch a lot of animation, The Dilemma, showing Channing Tatum in the cover, but it has 
Kevin James and Vince Vaughn and the like thing I keep seeing about it. Not really interested in that. G.I. Joe retaliation. I uh, don't really care about that. AKA sort of like a crime thriller too. Apparently the lead actor in it used to be a soccer star. It says soccer legend in the description I saw on Netflix on my TV and I'm like, really? I don't recognize the name and I think it I don't know what language it's in. It's in French. That explains it. I I, I don't know soccer people. Uh, American Gangster. No. I don't really have interest in watching that. Heat. No. Above Suspicion. I clicked on this before too. Oh, I don't know why. Yeah. The person in like the thing didn't really ring a bell, but it has Amelia Clark and Jack Houston in it. Seems sort of interesting. See, says the relationship between a drug dealer and dealing informant and an FBI agent spirals out of control in a small Kentucky, in small Kentucky, small town Kentucky, based on a true story. Seems interesting. The only thing I've seen Jack Houston in, didn't you do the remake of Ben Hur? I didn't see that, but because he's like grandfather or something like that was in the original like one of the most oscar winning or nominated movies of all time i saw him in it in the movie with it was like a romantic movie that was super weird feeling with Britt marling and i enjoyed it posthumous looks like it was a lot of movies she did anyways like um She's a writer who, I think, who moved, who works in Germany. And he, Chuck Houston, plays an artist who fakes his death and then impersonates his twin brother. And they, they fall in love. And what Marlon characters is as a journalist writing a story on the supposed dead brother. It was, I thought it was definitely more of a comedy drama it was so weird that such a weird feeling that i had no idea how to take the vibe of it because it took place in germany and he either had extensions and jack houston either has extensions in or something it just looked kind of bad but time with glass castle i don't know what that is and it doesn't really look like something i would watch either so um yeah that should be it for this week sorry kind of all over the place didn't watch a ton um, but just how sometimes the weeks go. And I don't know if anybody watches television like that. You watch a huge chunk all at once and then don't watch anything for days. But, um, I will try to be more organized with my thoughts next week and probably more Rough Diamonds. I'm going to go back and watch that as soon as I'm done recording. And I'll see if I actually like the whole rest of the season. But yeah, you've watching, <laughs> you've watched... You're listen- you just listen to Julie Loves Television. Thank you.